Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is Primetime Politics, the campaign edition. It is day 18 of the election campaign as we head towards Decision Day on September 20th. The Liberals finally released their campaign platform today on a day when the Conservatives talk up their infrastructure promises and the New Democrats once again focus on housing. Coming up, candidates will debate the party platforms, the spending and the focus, and we'll get a reality check on those platform promises from Canada's former parliamentary budget officer, Kevin Page. But first, the day on the campaign trail. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau was in Toronto for the release of his party's election platform. The fully costed plan sets out $78 billion in new spending over the next five years. The platform promises to pay for that new spending in part with $25 billion in tax hikes, including a 15% tax on high-income earners and higher taxes on large corporations. The current budget deficit of $157 billion would drop to $32 billion over the next five years under the Liberal plan, but there's no timetable for balancing the budget. We are demonstrating that we continue on our responsible choice of investing in things that will grow our economy, investing in the fight against climate change, investing in childcare, because we know that that sets us on a path of growth. Aaron O'Toole can say whatever he wants. If he doesn't show the numbers, why should Canadians believe him? He's relying on a level of magical thinking that involves 3% growth every single year. Most big spending promises on childcare, healthcare, housing and pandemic supports have already been announced. New measures include $1 billion for provinces to implement a ban on handguns. And a re-elected Liberal government would establish new regulations to force all provinces to make abortions available. The Liberals would also strip charity status from some anti-abortion organizations that provide dishonest counselling to women about their rights. Canada is a country where we stand up for women's rights. And I will not allow others to limit those rights. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh campaigned in Montreal in a riding held by the Liberals. Singh once again focused on his party's housing promises. He's proposing to use available federal lands for affordable housing projects. We believe that federal land should be used towards investing in opportunities to fight the housing crisis, to build affordable homes so that people can find something that's in their budget, a place to call home. That's our priority. Singh also took aim at the promises in the Liberal Party platform unveiled today. I want to remind folks, the Liberals have taken this strategy again and again. Why deliver on things when you can just campaign on it anyways? Why get things done when you can just promise it? Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole was in Ottawa again today, pitching his party's plan to fund big projects. O'Toole promises to shut down the Federal Infrastructure Bank and to ease the requirements for federal financing. Unlike the Liberals, we won't condition funding so narrowly to whether the project can be described as green infrastructure. We will ensure infrastructure funding maximizes our economic recovery. That means targeting funding to projects that strengthen transit and trade, reduce congestion and gridlock, and advance economic reconciliation 
with First Nations. The Conservative leader defended his campaign platform and promised to provide costing once the plan's been reviewed by the parliamentary budget officer. And he also slammed the Liberal plan unveiled today. So we're going to create jobs and opportunity, build infrastructure that Mr. Trudeau announces but never gets built, and have a detailed plan and a disciplined plan to get spending under control to balance the budget over the course of 10 years. Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchette campaigned in Montreal, where he spoke about the Bloc's defence of the French language and called on other party leaders to have Quebec's language law apply to federal workplaces. Canada has its own, its own culture, its own language, its own values, and they often tend to be different from the values that we do share in Quebec. Our language is French. We do not believe in multiculturalism. And we believe that we should not be, as a nation, submitted to laws which go not against what we do, but against what we are. And Green Party leader Annemie Paul remains in Toronto, where she's campaigning for a seat in Parliament. Paul says the Green Party favours the decriminalization of all illicit drugs. Safe supply, safe injection sites, access to mental health services, access to community supportive housing, access to drug treatment, all of these things must go hand in hand. All of these things have been underinvested in. All of these things need to be part of the solution. And that's the kind of day it's been, day 18 of the campaign. So let's focus on the platforms of the main parties and whether they are credible. The Liberals promised billions in new spending with no plan to balance the books. The Conservatives plan to balance the books, but are their hopes for economic growth too ambitious? And the NDP plans to pay for expensive promises with tax hikes, but could there be a gap between what they spend and what they can collect in tax revenues? Let's bring in three candidates to debate the platforms. Joyce Murray is the Liberal candidate for re-election in the B.C. riding of Vancouver Quadra. She's the Minister of Digital Government. Eric Duncan is the Conservative candidate for re-election in the Ontario riding of Stormont, Dundas, South Glengarry. And Peter Julian is the NDP candidate for re-election in the B.C. riding of New Westminster, Burnaby. He was the party's finance critic in the last parliament. It's good to see you all. Joyce Murray, let me start with you. The Liberal platform unveiled today features $78 billion in new spending, $25 billion in new tax hikes. Uh, it's been fully costed by the PBO. So what makes this the right platform for the country? Thanks for that question. And uh, uh, we've worked hard to support people through this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And this platform is a plan to finish the fight against uh, COVID-19 and build back a better Canada. And as you said, it's comprehensive and it's fully costed. All right, Eric it Duncan. focuses on climate, housing and child care. Okay, Eric Duncan, your leader, Aaron O'Toole, is, uh, is named seven times in the Liberal platform. I'm not sure I've seen that before, but it's clear where the Liberals want the contrast to be, and they made sure to point out uh, the Conservative platform is not costed yet. So what's your reaction to the Liberal platform today? Well, finally, we're over two weeks into an election campaign that the Liberals themselves called, and we finally get a platform and some details. But, Peter, you're seeing a lot of the same promises that were promised in previous elections. They were broken promises and saying, just give us another chance and we'll do it the next time. I think what we're hearing in the narrative in this campaign, to your point of why they're attacking Aaron or trying to, is because they see the momentum that our Canada's recovery plan is getting. 
It's a positive plan. It was released on day two, and we're hammering that positive, clear message out every day about getting the economy firing in all cylinders and make sure Canadians from okay. every walk of life and every sector of our economy and country are looked after. When? So uh, we've, been, we've got a two-week head start. Okay. We've been talking about our positive plan, and it's clearly resonating. Mr. Duncan, when, when will we see a complete costing by the PBO of your party's platform? So it's with the PBO right now. We made a concerted effort to get our platform out very early, and it's with PBO. We've done an internal costing that we're confident in, and we're working with them. So you will uh, hopefully see something soon as they go back and forth with that. But again, we didn't call this election, but we had it out on day two. We're confident in our numbers and in our plan that way. And again, we're the Peter, the only party that's talking about uh, reining in spending balancing the budget over the course of the next 10 years. We'll make it some important investments that we need to post-pandemic. Okay, Mr. Julian, the NDP platform, it's not been costed yet either. Uh, what is your reaction to the Liberal platform out today? Well, I, I don't think the Liberals have any credibility. You, you recall in 2019, they committed their, their key promise was to bring in public universal pharmacare. Uh, we know that they betrayed that promise. They actually voted down the Canada Pharmacare Act in the, in the, in the House of Commons just a few months ago. And now uh, pharmacare, they seem to have shuffled aside for a whole new set of new promises. So Liberals simply do not have credibility when it comes to their platform. Uh, as uh, you mentioned, though, Peter, many of the aspects of the NDP platform have already been costed by the PBO, including uh, public universal pharmacare. That's something the PBO uh, costed and, and presented uh, quite, quite some time ago. And, the, and uh, uh, in addition, the, the revenues that come from a wealth tax, the revenues that would come from an excess profits tax, that has also been costed by the PBO. Well, he, yeah, he's, he's caught, doing he's, the work prior to Yeah, but, he, but he's costed the individual promises and uh, the individual proposals and what they would cost. I'm not sure that, uh, you know, a lot of the economists we're hearing from say that there's no way to close the gap between the, t the tax hikes you're talking about and the cost of all of those cumulative prog programs the NDP is proposing, maybe into the, into the 70 billions of dollars, uh, that that gap may not close. Uh, the, when, when you include, for example, the PBO's estimate of us losing $25 billion a year, $25 billion a year to overseas tax havens because of conservative and liberal policies, I, I think it's clear that the overall NDP approach is, is to actually have the ultra-rich pay their fair share of taxes, and it is uh, quite surprising how much additional revenue that brings in to pay for the programs that will make okay. a difference to people, right. investments uh, that will matter. And Joyce Marie, uh, the Liberal plan, as I, I think I touched on, has, has no plan for return to balanced budgets, no timeline. And, and I, let's have that conversation. H how important is it right now to be talking about the need to eliminate the deficit? Well, I think it's very important to talk about the need to support Canadians through this time while we finish the, the fight against COVID, uh, Peter. And uh, I will point out that uh, ANP, the bond rating agency, has confirmed our AAA rating on the basis of our budget and our plans uh, to move forward with the key things to support Canadians and do it in a way that creates jobs so we will be bringing the economy back uh, as quickly as possible. I think we should really focus on health, actually, because we still are facing, a, we're still in the fourth wave of a pandemic. And so not only have we, have we committed to national pharmacare and are working on it and negotiating it with the provinces and territories, which does take time, we also have a very important uh, platform piece on primary care, that we would um, hire 65, 7,500 
new doctors, nurses, and nurse practitioners. Right. We'll train 50,000 50, personal support workers. So primary care, long-term care, $3 billion to improve long-term okay. care. I should, and I mental should, health care. Okay, I so should, we and, need to support Canadians' health at this very difficult time right, while and, growing the economy with these new jobs. Mr. Duncan, I mean, this is a point of, of departure between conservatives and liberals, certainly on... on uh, healthcare funding, uh, but and how that funding must be used. The Liberals are making it clear that there's going to be strings attached, and Conservatives saying this will be left to the province. I just want to point that out as a as something for our viewers to understand and the difference on the healthcare approach. But Mr. Duncan, Aaron O'Toole says he'll be able to balance the budget. He's promising a lot of healthcare spending too, but he'll balance the budget within a decade without any budget cuts, simply by growing the economy at 3% a year. And that number is unrealistic, according to a lot of economists. But uh, that's what Justin Trudeau told me back in 2014, that the budget would balance itself by growing the economy. And conservatives have pilloried him for it ever since. But isn't that what Aaron O'Toole is saying today? The budget will balance itself if you have the right economic recovery plan. What we're saying, Peter, is we're going to create the right conditions for economic growth. Justin Trudeau broke promises about a balanced budget, small budgets, uh, deficits going over the year. Now there's no end in sight. And the PBO, which we reference, is saying the Liberals have no plan to balance a budget until the year 2070. There's a contrast between what the Liberals talk about and what they actually do and what our plans are. We're talking, Peter, going door to door in my community and I've been other parts of the province as well. The number of businesses that can't fire up and get going at 100% is because they can't find workers. So what we're talking about is a job surge and million new jobs that we need to restore in here. And we have, through the details of our full platform, ways that can actually work to create economic growth. So again, there's a contrast between the Liberals saying things, not delivering them, but we actually have different plans, plans that can work for growth, and again, at the same time as well, while making investments. And Peter, I want to talk about a contrast there. Joyce talks about pharmacare and all these other things they're going to promise. If they can't deliver what they promised two years ago and six years ago, how is this election going to be any different? And that's what the narrative is turning into here a little bit about talking a good game and actually being able to deliver here. We're in the middle of a fourth wave. It's because the okay. Liberals called an election. Mr. Julian, let me, let, me move to, let me move to you, Mr. Julian, and let me, let me talk about, the uh, again, some of these promises in the NDP platform. And a lot of the promises, I think uh, close to 100 uh, initiatives in in there. Um, it, talk to me about the uh, how you pay for these programs. You've talked about taxing the rich and so on, but at some point, if there is a gap, do you foresee an NDP government having to uh, cut back spending or raise taxes on more people? Uh, well, there is uh, spending that we would cut. For example, the, the massive amount of money that uh, Mr. Trudeau wants to shower on the Trans Mountain Pipeline. This is uh, uh, taxpayers' funds. It, it doesn't doesn't make sense. We we see oil and gas subsidies. Uh, unbelievably, it's even increased from the Harper government to the Trudeau government. So that that is spending that we would cut, and we would put emphasis on investments that are actually going to help people, uh, including dealing with climate change. And Peter, it's uh, as you well know. That, that cost our economy over $5 billion last year. Uh, this year, with the wildfires, the huge death toll that we've seen in British Columbia, we're probably talking about uh, 
eight, nine, ten billion dollars or more. So there is a cost to not acting on climate change and instead uh, spending that money on the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Uh, and there are costs to not providing supports to Canadians that are struggling to make ends meet. Homelessness is growing. Uh, the food bank lineups are growing. This is all under Mr. Trudeau's watch. And so what we would do is ensure that there's a fair tax system in place, that the ultra-rich actually pay their fair share, that the profitable corporations actually pay tax. Uh, it's not a, a wild concept. In most countries, that actually happens. And in that way, we have the wherewithal to make investments that are going to change people's lives. All right, uh, and as you well know, with uh, Pharmacare, it is actually an overall savings of about $4 billion, putting in place universal public Pharmacare. Uh, so not only in, does that investment pay off in terms of a higher quality of life, it also means okay. that we're, we're saving money by putting in place something that makes good sense. Uh, Joyce Murray, uh, let, me, let me finish on one thing. Very quick answers, if I can, from all of you. Uh, the Liberals have, uh, in this platform as well, a pledge to establish regulations under the Canada Health Act to force provinces to provide, uh, all provinces to provide abortion services. Um, what's, what, why is that being done through regulation uh, in, in terms of making this change and forcing provinces to provide these services? Well, we are totally committed to a woman's right to choose. Uh, clearly, Erin uh, uh, O'Toole has a, a a lot of members of his party that don't believe in that, and so we're taking strong measures. I mean, in the same way with vaccination, because I have to remind everyone we're still in a fourth wave, and it's vaccinations that will get us out of this, and that's why we're providing money for the provinces to do mandatory passports if they choose, and to make uh, federally regulated travel and employment uh, mandatory Ms. vaccination. Right, Mr. Duncan, hang on, I let me, just, let me, I just, I, I, running on Mr. One, Duncan. One more comment. Mr. Duncan, can uh, I get, Peter. Mr. Duncan, can yeah. I get you to get you your response? Okay, your party, just, does your party support, does your party support uh, forcing provinces to provide abortion services? What we say is that provincial choice, provincial jurisdiction, we talk about health transfers, the administration of services up to the provinces. I think, Peter, you're seeing this brought up because the Liberals are trying to use their typical tactics and scare tactics and fear-mongering. What we have said is up to individual provinces to administer health care in their provinces. We are going to increase transfers, give them 6% per year, $60 billion more right. and our public so universal system. You, you don't, su you don't support, Conservatives, don't, you don't support this move then to uh, force provinces to provide abortion services? They're, they're trying to use okay. stall tactics all over the place. All right, Mr. Up Mr. Julian, uh, what's your view of, of that? Oh, the, the NDP has, has been clear and consistent on this uh, for, for decades. A woman's right to choose is paramount. This is part of the public health care system. It needs to be okay. financed. Uh, the, the problem is, with Mr. Trudeau continuing the cuts that Mr. Harper did to the health care system, simply uh, not allowing uh, the, to, to respond to the increase in health care costs, uh, has, has resulted okay, in a, to, a serious strain on the system I'll, overall. I'll and that's to, something that needs to be underlined. We'll have to leave it there. Uh, I had to jump in occasionally, and I hope that's okay with all of you. It's a, uh, time is tight. Joyce Murray, Eric Duncan, Peter Julian, thank you all for your time tonight. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Take care, everybody.
Well, let's get a bit of a reality check now on the party platforms. Kevin Page is a former parliamentary budget officer, uh, the first one uh, as it happens. He is now president and CEO of the Institute of Fiscal Studies and Democracy at the University of Ottawa. Uh, he's been pouring over the party platforms for us. Uh, Kevin Page, good to see you again. So trying to give our viewers a, a sense of the promises in these platforms and what they mean for the economy and the country's finances and whether they hold up to fiscal scrutiny. So that's that's where you come in. Uh, let's drill down on the Liberal platform unveiled just today. $78 billion in new spending over the next five years. Uh, no commitment to balancing the budget or a timeline for that. So what's your assessment of what's on offer here from the Liberals? So it's, um, I mean, we, we finally have a costed fiscal platform, which is terrific. I think it's, um, like in terms of the numbers, like from a fiscal perspective, like we have you know, a debt to GDP ratio that remains relatively flat, a little bit better than what it was in budget 2021. Um, like you know, they've you know the the more optimistic outlook we got from the PBO baseline. I think you know the the Liberals you know, they'll spend about half of it. So like in terms of total spending, like oh you know on average you know, annually, it's you know kind of the 15 16 billion dollar range over the next few years. They're going to generate up to seven eight billion dollars with the range. So yeah, there's a little bit of upward pressure on the deficit overall relative to budget 2021. Is it fiscally responsible? So yeah, I think it's we're talking about a debt to GDP ratio for Canada, you know, that's kind of well below 50% and, you know, closer to the mid 40s and five years out. I think the bond markets will be happy with that sort of plan overall. Where are they spending the money, Peter? I think it's for the most part, it's a lot of money spent on health, seniors, um, housing. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised that more money was actually spent on environment, environmental transition. Right. But I think like, it's, it's an incredible, it's a credible you know, fiscal document. Okay. Finally, we got one halfway through the campaign. Uh, what, what about the assumptions about, you sort of touched on about economic performance. Are, are the Liberals being realistic about those economic expectations because uh, they're, they're count, every party counts on a certain level of economic performance to try and pay for these promises. So what about the Liberals? Yeah, so the Liberals are using the PBO baseline assumptions that we got a few weeks ago, and it, it, you know, it's a relatively positive short-term economic outlook growth, you know, in a, you know, around 6% real GDP growth this year, over 4% next year, you know, declines in the unemployment rate. You know, what the, you know, I think what the Liberals did, and it would be interesting to see if the Conservatives and NDP match, they actually built some prudence uh, into those deficit right. reduction numbers in the other years. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's 15, 15, 15 billion over sort of three years, I guess, to, as prudence. And that's uh, that's the right way to go as far as you're concerned. Yeah, it's the right way to go. I think we've seen it from other governments in the past, certainly the Liberals in the 90s, early 2000s. And, you know, Prime Minister Harper had built in some prudence as well. So it's a good practice. And again, we'll wait to see if we see that in the, in the Conservative and NDP platforms. And you, you touched on again the, anchor, the, uh, the what the Liberals have used as the fiscal anchor, debt to GDP ratio. Um, is that still a credible measure uh, of fiscal discipline as far as you're concerned? Yeah, in this environment where with all this uncertainty and um, it, you know, it's definitely a credible medium-term you know fiscal rule, so to speak, to have a declining debt to GDP ratio. Again, it's pretty flat over the next five years. There's another rule that I think. There in the in the in the new uh, document, which is a declining deficit. So we see a, uh, a a budgetary deficit in the 150 billion dollar range for 2021-22, and then we see like drops in the outer years. So again, that's something that Parliament can hold the government to account. That's very different than the Conservative commitment to uh, to get to a balanced budget.
budget, but not for, you know, not till over a 10-year period of time. All right, let's talk about that. Uh, let's talk about the conservative platform. It hasn't been fully costed yet. Uh, what's your assessment of the conservative platform from a fiscal policy perspective? Yeah, so you know, you, you, there's a lot of initiatives. So if you count all the initiatives that we saw, saw in the Liberal document uh, today, it's, it's probably in the neighborhood of 90 initiatives and 90 different init spending initiatives. You probably have almost twice that amount in the Conservative document. It's a little bit hard to wrap your head around. So, the, but it's, they're ticking off a lot of boxes over a lot of policy areas. You have to look at if where the big spending is, particularly over the medium term in the Conservative document, is a commitment to the provinces and territories to increase the, the Canada health transfer, to increase that escalator back up to a, a, you know something in the neighborhood of 6% growth per year. That's a pretty expensive uh, commitment. You know, it's it's probably comparable to the Liberal commitment to uh, with respect to early childhood development mm -hmm. and child care. So it's a it's the big costing signature initiative in that document. Overall, though, they, we haven't seen that costed uh, platform. You know, there's a commitment to not to cut spending. There's a commitment to get to yeah. a balanced budget over 10 years. It's going to be hard to hold them to account. So let's talk about those two, because those are key promises in the platform uh, from the Conservatives, uh, this balanced budget target over 10 years. Uh, it's not clear uh, other, you know, how the party gets there other than uh, a strong economy. I mean, so it, does that target hold up uh, based on the assumptions they're making about economic performance? Yeah, so what we've heard, uh, but again, we haven't seen it in the context of uh, a budget plan, is that, you know, they could, you know, we might get a growth upwards of 3% real GDP growth per year. If you look at, Peter, if you look at the baseline projections, um, you know, you know, by the Parliamentary Budget Office, it's well under 2% real GDP growth per year. So, um, you know, again, we have to wait and see whether the concern, what is the 3% target, is that really an aspirational target or are they going to plan on it? If it's a planning, if they, they hope to plan on 3% real GDP growth to get to a balanced budget, then that's not, you know, that's not a really a credible assumption. I think I, if I remember correctly, we haven't had a, a, a decade of 3% GDP growth in uh, only one other time, I think, in Canadian history. So uh, is this a, a bit of a risky proposition? Yeah, it would be very risky if they're going to plan. Uh, they're, you know, they're, you know, uh, they're getting to a balanced budget target on three percent. It would imply a, almost a, a, a twofold increase in average trend productivity growth rate. Economists would say that, you know, to get that growth rate again, that would be very aspirational. We would have to have significant investments in the Canadian economy to boost potential growth rate, and we don't really see that in really, to be honest, in any of the documents. And what about? Uh, Mr. O'Toole has said with his plan that uh, he'll be able to uh, balance the budget in a decade without any cuts. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, first, it, it's really, again, to say that we, you know, the target is to a balanced budget over a 10-year time frame. First, you know, 10 years, uh, you know, exceeds a political mandate. You know, it's multiple political mandates. It's not a target when the parliament could hold the government to account. It's not a good target from, uh, uh, um, you know, from an accountability perspective. Is it reasonable to get the balanced budget? You know, just with the you know what we see in terms of the numbers, it, you know, it's possible. Like, could you actually increase increase the GST? Have it growing by six percent would be an additional six seven billion dollars a year, and not spending it. I think once we actually see the budget, we'll get a better understanding of how they can do it. But really, it's hard for me to square the numbers. Uh, like you can really get to a balanced budget target, not for, not cut spending, and have the GST, you know, sort of the Canada Health Transfer grow by six percent a year. It's so we have to we have to wait to see their cost of platform. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the NDP platform. It's also not costed. Uh, what's your assessment of what the NDPs put forward? 
Yeah, so a lot, some real big signature initiatives, Peter, like, you know, significant spending for education, which could definitely boost productivity growth in the, in the long term. You know, lots of support for health care um, uh, uh, in, in terms of long term care as well, in terms of pharma care, in terms of dental care. Uh, commitments to strengthen the social safety net. So those are like that's a significant long-term increase in spending. But you know they're they're saying that they will increase taxes. They're being uh, I think quite honest about that. Wealth taxes, corporate income taxes, uh, higher income taxes for wealthier people. Uh, so and there's other taxes as well. So generate a lot of revenue, but probably not enough to pay for all those spending initiatives as well. Yeah. So that so do you, do you see in the NDP plan this? Uh, because that's what Mr. Singh comes back to, is that we'll be able to, uh, when asked about the big ticket items and how he pays for them, well, we're going to raise revenues on the wealthy. Uh, do you see a gap there uh, between how much he's uh, potentially could raise and uh, paying for those programs? Yeah, there's very likely there is a gap, Peter. And again, in the, in the NDP document, there's really no fiscal target commitment. It's The language is more like, um, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see how conditions in, with respect to budgetary balances and what the pathway should be. So there's there's really no anchor, no budgetary constraint that, you know, that Parliament and Canadians can hold an NDP government to account yet. But again, we're waiting for a cost of platform. All right. Uh, so still some question marks. But uh, uh, thanks for helping us uh, answer some of the questions we have about uh, comparing these platforms and uh, getting your perspective today. Kevin Page, always a pleasure. Take care. Pleasure. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Primetime Politics, the campaign edition. From all of us here at CPAC, I'm Peter Van Dusen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time.